Hi, everyone. My name is Ritik and welcome to another season of Lifetime Value. I'm extremely excited about the start of this new season. I have an amazing guest list of successful and interesting entrepreneurs. I wanted to hit the ground running with season two, and I'm extremely, extremely excited to have the first guest, Patricio Alessandro, who is the global head of new revenues at Kavak which you may or may not know is the first unicorn of Mexico. Patricio's experience includes working at BCG and previously he was also the CEO of another startup called Clinia. At Kavak, his experience has also included being head of Kavak 360, which is an all-round experience for Kavak users whenever they, they get their new car. And today, Patricio is here to talk about his career path, how he ended up at Kavak and how his life has progressed within the startup itself. Uh, he will explain what is Kavak 360 and at the same time share the experiences as to what led Kavak being the first Mexican unicorn. So without further ado, please help me join uh, Patricio. Hey Ritik, it's really great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much again, Patricio, for joining me on this uh, first episode of the new season. I'm very excited to know more about you and, and how you ended up at Kavak and, and you're leading such a massive effort. Uh, our mutual friend, uh, Fernando Barragan, has spoken extremely highly of you. So why don't you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and how you ended up at Kavak? Yes, absolutely. So I, I was born and raised in Mexico, but I studied university in the U.S. at Princeton. And I actually studied public policy there. And people tend to assume that it was a huge pivot going from a public policy background into startups. And of course, it was in some ways, but in the ways in which we think about problems uh, when we're in public policy and we're startups, they're quite similar in the sense that you start looking at a very large, unstructured problem. And you create a story about what you think is the cause of that problem. And that mm -hmm. serves as a starting point for you to start thinking about a solution. And that solution, then you have to bring in a bunch of different types of people with very different types of, of skill sets in order to implement and scale that solution. Of mm -hmm. course, the, the key difference here is the speed at which things move. When you're a startup, things move a thousand times more rapidly than they do in, in public policy setting which I guess is, is why I ended up taking this startup route. So, so uh, I started out working uh, at a very early stage startup in, in Monterrey, Mexico, which is in the north where I'm from. And what we were doing there was trying to digitize the entire customer journey for a patient. So from scheduling an appointment to doing consultation, to keeping medical records, to payments, having the whole thing be very, very seamless and very digital. Had a great time there. Uh, that, that team later did a pivot and they're actually in, in the food space, food delivery space right now. At that point in time, what I wanted to do was gain a little bit more experience before going deeper into the startup world. So I decided to go to BCG to do consulting, which was an amazing experience. Some really, really intelligent people there. And, and the learning curve is super steep, which is something that's always very, very good. Um, and after two years there, I was actually quite ready to go the typical route, do an MBA, and then mm -hmm. come back to Mexico. Um, I had actually already taken all the exams and everything mm -hmm. when Roger and Carlos from Cavac reached out to me. And they said, hey, we're, we're building something big. If you want to be a part of it, come take a look. 
at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go take a look more out of curiosity. I don't think I would ever take a, a, an offer at this point in, in my life because I'm so ready to go to MBA. Mm-hmm. But let's go check it out. Um, and I went to see the, the headquarters of Kavak uh, over in Lerma. And it was, it was a huge, huge wow moment for me. Um, I think what surprised me the most was we have, uh, there was an amazing team even back then. Today, it's even, even more amazing, I would say. Uh, and just seeing the scale of the whole thing, the, the scale, the, the magnitude of the vision of everything that they wanted to, to construct. Uh, and that really drew me. My, and, and my logic right then and there was, you know, this, is, this would be the perfect opportunity for me even after an MBA. So you know what? I'm just going to skip the MBA and, and come, <laughs> come, come straight into Kavak. Um, and, and from there, it's just been uh, an adventure. I mean, from, I've, I've been in Kavak for almost two years now. Yeah. And uh, the growth, the changes, they've been amazing. That is, that is so fascinating. You know, you always hear entrepreneurs with these sort of uh, left field, oh, I just <laughs> ended up going for that one meeting and then my whole life changed. And, and a lot of people say it's a cliche, but, you know, it's more often than not, it ends up being the reality, right? <laughs> it's absolutely a cliche. And I almost didn't take the meeting. It sounds super cliche, <laughs> but I was actually... I was actually moving that very weekend when I was going to meet up with them. And I was like, oh my God, I have to move all my furniture and the TV and everything. Do I really want to go all the way to Lerma, which is where we have the headquarters? And I just said, you know what, let's do it, whatever. And that really did change a, a, whole, a whole lot of things. That is so fascinating. Now, you actually lead a, a very important part of Kavak, which is the new revenues. But you also worked a lot on Kavak 360. So for listeners who may or may not be from this part of the world, what is Kavak and what is Kavak 360 exactly? Yeah, it's almost a very deep question. What is Kavak? So (laughs) I'll answer it in a simple way first, and and then I'll reflect on on what I think Kavak truly, really is at its core. Um, But but the simple answer is that Kavak is a leading e-commerce where you can buy or sell a car. And it's the best place where anyone in Mexico and soon in, in the entire LATAM region can buy or sell a car. If you're selling a car, you know that you're going to be in and out in a couple of hours. You're going to get a very good deal and you're going to have an amazing experience. And if you're buying a car, you know that you're going to get a great car uh, at a fair price. And again, you're going to have a very good experience working with us. Um, the, The way in which our business model works today is that we purchase cars from individuals we recondition them in-house. Right now we have some of the best talent in terms of mechanical technicians in, in the country. And we have really best in class facilities to recondition the cars and a very, very rigorous data-driven process to ensure that every car that we sell is in very good conditions. Um, and, and we do that entire reconditioning process for every single car and ensure that it's in, in optimal conditions. And then we sell it back again to individuals. We're, we're all about the individual customers Uh, enabling those transactions, enabling that wonderful experience. So that's kind of the starting point for Kavak. And Mm -hmm. Kavak 360 is about taking that a step further. I mean, our whole starting mission at Kavak is how do we make car ownership amazing? And for starters, what we did is we, we made selling a car and buying a car amazing experiences. But now we're thinking beyond that, saying when you own a car, there are many other pain points beyond purchasing and selling. You have to do the maintenance services. Maybe you have some sort of issue that you want to deal with in a warranty claim. You have your financing. In Mexico City, you have your environmental verification. Maybe you have to pay a parking ticket. 
all these sorts of things that you think about it. It's really a lot of hassle for a normal person who has a full-time job. It's almost mm -hmm. a, another full-time job. And yeah. that for us makes no sense. And that's what 360 is, is all about. We're building mm -hmm. a car ownership ecosystem in which customers will know that regardless of what the issue is that they may be having with their car, they know that Kavak is there to help them solve that issue very quickly at a very fair price, if not for free, which is what we do in many situations and digitally with, with a magnificent experience. So that's what we're doing right now, building that ecosystem, that whole suite of products and services that takes us further and giving a wonderful whole experience. That's very interesting. I've seen everybody around me, you know, whenever they talk about that experience that, oh, I got to go get insert blank something to do with the car they always as if they're at the dentist you know getting their teeth checked or, or drilled so i really appreciate Absolutely. where the passion and and how you guys are able to sell this because i, I genuinely believe that's a massive value add no yeah so and it's happened to me as well even yeah. even working at kavak i've lived in mexico city for a while now but i didn't own a car until i, I started working at kavak Uh -huh. And I wasn't really aware of how particularly the environmental verification works. Correct. It was a, a very funny experience in that I purchased my car at Kavak. The first MVP for the Kavak 360 application, it will show you when you have to do your environmental verification. So I logged in as a customer for my yeah. own car at Kavak. And that's how I realized that I had to do my <laughs> environmental verification two weekends ago. <laughs> so, so the value add there was, was actually quite instantaneous for me as well. Amazing. That's really good. And, you know, th this is bringing me to the next point as well, that Mexico right now is a hotbed of amazing startups. And uh, the way you've actually described how much value Kava gives each user, I don't find it a surprise that you guys managed to get uh, unicorn status. So the question I had was like, in your opinion, how did Kavak manage to beat all these amazing startups as well to get to that unicorn spot before everybody else? Yeah, no. And, and first I, I would like to say, echo your, your point on, there are really many wonderful, magnificent startups in, in Mexico and Latam. So very, very good teams. And uh, I think a mistaken way of, of viewing things, if we were assumed that this is some sort of competition in, in, in the sense of who was the first startup that actually snagged that unicorn status. And it's tempting to think of it that way, like a zero-sum game, almost like a board game in which mm -hmm. if one startup wins, then necessarily the other startup is, is losing. Mm -hmm. But I think that couldn't be further from the truth. It, it's not startups aren't players in a board game. I think they're more like construction companies and every startup is building something. And the fact that one startup is building something amazing does not detract from the efforts of, of what other startups are building. It's the opposite. Once one startup builds something big, that helps all the other startups. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I, I think the main reasons why Kavak has been able to grow so quickly, first of all, is the customer pain point is huge. It's just so very big. Customers really, really needed this solution. And that's always a wonderful place to be in as, as a startup. Mm -hmm. And the second point I think would be the team. I think from day one, Kavak's team was, was really, really a very strong team. The founding members, Carlos, Royer, Lori, they all have amazing backgrounds and are amazing leaders, each one of them. And, and they have been able to build out the team to, to be a bigger and bigger more and more qualified team. Uh, and I'm even more excited to, to, to think about what that team is going to look like in the future. And what, what's also very important is I think we've managed to maintain a very good culture 
with that team, which is a challenge in and of itself. But w- but when I think about Kavak, it's not just about having very capable and very smart people, but it's about having everyone be able to work together very effectively. So in Kavak, we have this, this culture in which very ingrained in, in the culture is a sense of empathy for each other, for our customers, for everyone that's involved in, in the in the ecosystem where Kavak works, mm-hmm. uh, combined with kind of a, an aggressiveness. And aggressiveness, not in the negative way, and aggressiveness in terms of always wanting to achieve more, of always thinking bigger. Amazing. That was extremely, extremely well said. Now, the next question I had was about dealing with, you know, the elephant in the room, um, which is COVID. Given that everybody's sort of locked in their homes, and sure now, you know, things are slowly starting to open up. We don't know if we're heading down to a new uh, lockdown, etc. The main asset that Kavak works off of is an individual's car. So if now we're at a place where, you know, people are not using that asset or don't need that asset because, you know, we're working from home, mobility is sort of uh, going down. How would Kavak sort of uh, diversify from this sort of black swan challenge? How is, in your opinion, car ownership changing fundamentally? Right. So, so I'm going to answer this question in, in several parts. The first part, I think, is COVID. And the COVID phenomenon has been very interesting for us from, from a business perspective. And it's been, in many ways, very positive for, for us and for our industry for several reasons. I think the first mm-hmm. one is COVID forces people to go digital. People who might have not trusted digital transactions because of COVID, now they're ordering everything online. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and for someone like Kavak, we're an e-commerce, that's something that's very positive. And the second thing that you're seeing at a global level is the, the demand for having a car is higher than ever. You see it in China, you see it in Europe, you see it in the US. People feel safer when they're traveling in their own car versus traveling in public transportation because of COVID. And because of this, you see a huge demand for cars and used cars in particular. And you see your peers in the US uh, Carvana, Shift, Room, many of those did IPOs very recently mm-hmm. and, and, and their stock prices are really soaring because of these market dynamics. In the short term, thinking about COVID, I think it's going to be end up being something very positive that actually accelerated our growth. Now, when, when we think a little bit more about long term, about what's, what's going to happen in the next, say, 20, 50 years mm-hmm. with car ownership and mobility in general. I think that brings me back to, to our previous question of what Kavak truly is, right? Mm-hmm. And let me explain a little bit. For me, Kavak, as I said, startups in general, they're like construction companies and you're building things. And when you build something, it's very tempting to say, oh, that building is Kavak, right? Mm-hmm. But not really. Kavak is the team that got that building built, right? Kavak is a team that mm-hmm. created that building. It's not the building itself. It's the capability to build things, not the things that are being built in and of themselves, right? That should happen for all startups and that mm-hmm. uh, every industry is always going to change. Uh, I don't think there's any industry that we can think of right now that we would assume would remain the same over the next 20, 50 years. And, and that's normal. I think it would be misguided for any startup to think that their exact business model that's working today is going to work in the same way 20 years from now or 50 years from now. I think the best startups are the ones that have the internal machinery, the team, the culture, the way of working 
that allows them to adapt continually. If you think that your business model is the uh, end state solution, then that's the moment where you're no longer a startup, right? You're mm-hmm. no longer evolving. You're, and and you, you see that in, in some of the best startups in the market as well. You see it in, in Netflix famously that they did the pivot yep. from DVDs to streaming. And people kind of assume that it had happened very early on in Netflix's history. But that's not the case. When they did that mm-hmm. pivot, they had already done the IPO. When they did that pivot, they, they were shipping out 1 million DVDs per day. So they were already huge and they managed to do that pivot. Same with Amazon with AWS. And I think that's the important question to ask for Kavak as well. Does Kavak have the capability to reinvent itself consistently every day, every year, and, and always have the most innovative and, and the best business model that creates the most value to customers? And I think that the answer to that is absolutely yes. I mean, we've only existed for four years, but in those four years, we've reinvented ourselves many times. You see it with initiative Kavak Capital, in which Kavak mm-hmm. uh, is, is becoming a bank. You see it with everything that we're doing in Kavak 360. You see it really everywhere in Kavak with all the technology and, and, and all the new initiatives that we're launching. So when I think of how the market is going to change, uh, I think more of how we are going to change the market. Do I think that electric cars are going to predominate 30, 50 years from now? Absolutely. And I think that's going to be a very positive thing. And Kavak is not only going to ride that wave, I think we're going to end up creating that wave as well. That's a very interesting thought as well. And that neatly brings me to the next point. One of the ways you guys are expanding and reinventing, etc., is by doing a bit of international expansion. Uh, I believe Kavak is uh, already in Mexico and Argentina through its merger. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Brazil in 2021. A lot of times when people who are not in Latin America, you know, they just see Latin America as one entity. They think that Latin America is, you know, if you know one country, you know everything, which is clearly not true. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to get your firsthand experience as well. like expanding through these other countries. What are some idiosyncrasies you've seen as compared to Mexico, for example, where, you know, you were like, oh, okay, we have to do X, Y, Z things in order to do the same thing that we have in Mexico, where perhaps the process is seamless or the other way around where perhaps Mexico could learn from uh, the other countries. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are many, many small idiosyncrasies basically all over the place. And when you think about regulations, when you think about the way that people consume all types of products in, in Mexico, Argentina, and Brazil, uh, and, and cars are, are not an exception to that. Interestingly, what has surprised us most is the similarities between the pain points in these countries. And I think it comes from the fact that cars are cars and it's the same cars that are being sold in the three countries. And, and the pain points around those cars are the same. Those, those cars experience the same wear and tear, which creates the same uncertainty when you're purchasing a car. Uh, in, in all three countries, you see a lack of institutionalized processes to buy or to sell a used car. So you end up doing transactions on the street in cash, which is obviously not ideal for anyone. So definitely, I think there, there are differences in terms of uh, of, of things that you need to adapt in the way that you're operating. But I would say th- those are mostly small frictions. The competitive landscape might be a little bit different. There might be some larger players in some countries and smaller players in other countries. But really, we're talking about a pain point that's so huge in a market that is so, so large 
but mm -hmm. that doesn't really matter. I mean, it makes no sense for, for anyone in this space to think about competition when, mm -hmm. when you're talking about a market in which no one even has a 1% market share, right? So I think our focus is the same. Our focus is sell great cars at a fair price, giving a wonderful experience. And that works in Mexico. That's working in Brazil. Uh, I mean, it's working in Argentina. And I'm sure that's gonna, it's going to work in, in Brazil as well. Interesting. And then that's a very good point that you raised as well. But why do you think, you know, your peers in, in the U.S., for example, Carvana, et cetera, stopping them from coming to Mexico with like a bigger balance sheet, et cetera, and just kind of try and compete with you directly? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think the pain point of buying or selling a used car is much bigger in Mexico and Latin America than it is in the U.S., And I think there's a very different set of challenges of, uh, to launching an operation like this in Mexico or Latam than, mm -hmm. than doing so in the U.S. And in, in the U.S., you already have a very robust system in which there's already a lot of infrastructure to carry out all of these transactions that don't necessarily exist in Mexico. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's one of the, the most interesting parts of the business model Kavak, for me, it's, it's not about having one single innovation. It's not about we developed this one thing and this one thing has market fit. It's more like a set of many, many, many small things that we've managed to solve, to crack, mm -hmm. to give a better customer experience. And together they coalesce into something that works. But it's mm -hmm. not something that you can copy. It's not something that you can just look at it and go make something that's identical and try to compete. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone that wants to enter this market is welcome to do so. It's a huge market and it's always fun to have, to have some competition, but it's not like other products and services, say like an Uber, you can look at the app and have someone build an identical app in a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. Here really it's, it's dozens and dozens of not hundreds of small incremental innovations mm -hmm. that all come together to create a good experience. Very well said. And coming from lending, you sort of draw a parallel there. You know, when, when I was at Confio, people would immediately ask us, you know, you're essentially just giving money. Anybody can do that. doesn't matter if you're in Mexico or the U.S., et cetera. So the first thing people would ask us, like, why can't just some random U.S. lending company do the same? And we would give the exact answer. You know, it's not just about giving money to somebody else and the mm -hmm. level of complexity you have in Mexico due to the lack of that infrastructure or that solid system is, mm -hmm. is insane. So uh, definitely understand where you're coming from. So moving on to the next section, you know, before we wrap up um, payback period where the guest asks the, the host a question. So well, what do you have for me today, Patricio? Absolutely. I think my first question for you is, What has surprised you the most in, in these conversations that you've had with, with entrepreneurs? That is such a great question. Um, you know, a lot of times you would imagine some guy who has been in the business for so long to have always had that vision from the start. But one of the surprises I've gotten, like, you know, in the second episode, I spoke with Paul Kopinger who is the CEO of Unipagos, he studied piano in school, mm. you know, and, and he's been in the payments industry for about three decades now. So, you know, just, just to kind of see how people evolved. And, you know, whenever 
like college students or or teenagers or people younger than than myself and you they they always ask like oh man i got to get it right i can't make any mistakes not that's it life is over you know you, you got to focus on every single detail i i kind of feel like broadly sure there might be some truth to it but in in reality you know people evolve and change and reinvent so much you, know, you sort of laugh about it 5 10 years from now it's me to that thing that you know that people always say in in interviews where do you see yourself in 5 years you know that that question is just got it has no meaning anymore because it, uh, like the way the world is moving and how quickly things are changing i kind of feel like uh, one year or maybe two years maximum is a good enough horizon five years becomes like a massive question mark i mean if somebody asked me in 2015 what i'll be doing in 2020 it'll definitely not be i'll be quarantining myself in mexico you know definitely not be the answer <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think which brings me to a second question i think no one would have been able to predict um what what the uh, startup ecosystem in mexico and latin america will look like today as well yeah. and in the time that you've been in mexico how have you seen it change Yeah. That's such a interesting question as well and and I kind of feel that uh I'm in a very privileged position because I got to start at like the ground floor and I didn't start as uh as a Mexican but rather somebody who had like like the outside the foreigner perspective. So for me it was really really fascinating Confio when we were just like 14 15 of us when we wanted cash from from investors etc you know most of the time it would be extremely difficult now it's completely different and our genuine interest in entrepreneurs wanting to come to mexico and solve the problems like um i would say at the beginning you know the the ecosystem and it was still very close uh, just like it is now uh, but there was that sort of like hey we're just sort of experimenting silicon valley is so successful and so nearby we want to see if we can emulate some sort of success but right now it's become like um sort of the the entrepreneurs are already sort of successful they're passing it down to the new generation you know there, there's a lot of information and knowledge exchange massive investors are coming in because they see the the size of the opportunity which at that point of time was still like a massive question mark So I, I kind of feel like it has changed so much and 5 years you know in the grand scheme of things is nothing. Yeah, absolutely agree with all of that. And I think in the next 5-10 years it's going to be really interesting to see where yeah. where we are. The the way I'm seeing things with the explosion of the neo banking sector, the the fact that international companies are hiring a lot of Mexicans to understand uh what the ecosystem is so they can start exploring and growing here as well is is fascinating and it's just the tip of the iceberg absolutely thank you so much again patricio i just wanted to wrap things up by asking any advice you might want to share for future entrepreneurs uh i think my advice would be try to enjoy the ride uh it's mm-hmm. it's very easy to get um to 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 really get stuck in the everyday and and thinking about that specific issue that you're trying to get solved in a particular day but it's important every once in a while to to take a step back and and look at everything that's going on everything that that you've achieved or everything that you've learned and mm-hmm. uh be thankful for that but i because i think it's it's really an amazing opportunity if you're an entrepreneur or if you're working at a startup 
uh, mm -hmm. it's a very unique opportunity that not everyone has. Um, mm -hmm. So, so we really should be thankful that we have that opportunity and, and enjoy it. Excellent advice. And would you like to share your contact information with our listeners if they want to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, anyone can reach out at Patricio, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-I-O at Kavak.com. Excellent. Well, it was such a pleasure having you, Patricio, and hope to have you again when you guys become a Decacorn, which should be happening sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you so much for inviting me, Ritik.